Good morning. Welcome to church. So good to see you all here. How blessed are we with our, our worship team? We are so blessed. We are so blessed. Thank you to all the tech people who, we don't see you up front, but if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't hear the ones who are up front. Um, I just want to say thank you to all of our kids' workers as well. It's nice to see a few of them be able to pop their head in the second service. Isn't it good? Serve at one, come to one. Great deal. Um, I can see a special little head there. Our little grandson, Duke's in church today. This is your nana talking, Duke. Get used to this voice is all I'm going to say. How good is it? It's been beautiful having Mariah and Sean with us for bit over a week so yeah it's great to have time with our little grandson and get to know him and I think it looks pretty um pretty oh it does it for me when I see Nono carrying his grandson too I, he's a he's a good dad and he's a good Nono so our family is blessed by Pastor Rob um Yes, I just want to thank the team. I just think we are so blessed by the team that we have serving at One Heart. Um, I just wanted you to keep Pastor Rob in your prayers this week. He needs to, he is the vice president of our movement, which is Australian Christian Churches. And from that, it requires Rob to do work for the state executive. And this week, he's got to attend a funeral in Newcastle. It hits close to home for us because this young man, he was probably nearly 40, he was in the youth group in Mount Barker, his parents were the pastors of the church at Mount Barker and he died in a car accident, he was riding a motorbike last week and he's left behind a wife and two children and it's really sad, I just read the story that his mum wrote on Facebook and it was just heartbreaking to read when you lose, you know, a child but Pastor Rob and Pastor Dave, the state president, are both going to represent our state and go over to that funeral this week. So just keep them in your prayers. But more than anything, keep the Leach family in your prayers. Keep his wife, Christy, and their two children who have lost their husband and dad as well. But, you know, the Bible says that we, we weep with those who weep and we mourn with those who mourn. And that's what we want to do. So if you can think of it, keep the Leach family in your prayers. It's been a tough couple of weeks for them. Okay, on to my message. Now, if anyone knows me, they would know that I'm a planner. I like to plan things. Things don't have to be set in stone, but I still like to plan. And it went way back to when I first started my job and we would write job lists. And still now, I, I still write job lists and I love to tick jobs off the job list. I don't so much like to transfer them from one week to the next, but that happens as well because it's called life. Um, so for me, the reason I like to plan and I'm old fashioned, I have a paper diary that I write things in my diary because I don't want to forget. I don't know about you, but if I have a hairdressing appointment 12 weeks later, I don't remember that off the top of my head. I need to write it somewhere. I mean, you can use your phone if that works for you, great. But for me, I'm a little old-fashioned and it still goes into a diary. And I do the same actually at church. I'm 
I'm a planner. I get great excitement come September and October when the new calendars are coming out or the new planners and I get those planners and I write in the school holidays and I write when the awaken dates will be on and when we're going to do our women's ministry through the year. I get excited by that sort of stuff, but that's just me. Um, And I remember at the end of last year, I was feeling a little bit concerned because we have a theme for church. Does anyone, if you're here in the first service, you can't call it out. Do you know what our theme is for this year? It's not a trick question. I'm going to tell you what the answer is. Our theme is all for the one. And all for the one is about seeing people come to know Jesus. That's what we're here for. We're here all for the one. Now, we've had the same theme at church for three years. Is that because we can't get a better idea? No, it's because that's what Jesus wants us to do. And we keep doing what Jesus wants us to do forever. All for the one is going to be forever. But we might have different themes come in. So as a women's ministry, we have a theme. So our our theme last year was made in the image of God. So I wanted women to realise that they're made in God's image. And I was just in my quiet times, I've just sort of been praying to God and going, well, what's the theme for women next year? Because when I've got a theme, I can plan. Without a theme, I, I find it really hard to plan what I need to be doing. And so I was just waiting And all that was coming was nothing, silence. I wasn't hearing a thing. And I'm going, I'm I'm opening, I'm open to knowing what you want to say, but I just didn't feel like anything was coming. And then it wasn't until Christmas Day, the 25th of December, I'm standing in worship And I felt like the Holy Spirit was starting to drop something into my spirit. I have learned to be obedient when the Holy Spirit talks to listen and to write it down. I can be awoken in the middle of the night with some great revelation. And I'm telling you, it is fantastic. And it's so good. I think I'm never going to forget that in the morning. Come morning, I'm going, I know it was good. I know it was excellent, but I can't remember. And I'm going, you gave me that revelation. And then it's almost like going, well, I wasn't obedient and I didn't write it down. So I have a pen and paper in my top drawer by my bed. I have a pen and a paper in my handbag as well. I know you can use your phones, whatever works for you, just use that. So I got out my pen and my paper and I started writing down what the Holy Spirit Um, I felt like he was saying to me and in the back of my mind though this is the platform of it is we've come out of a couple of hard years I'm kind of sick of hearing oh with the pandemic and with this and with that but it it's just been the reality of life and we're clawing back and we're wanting to see people connected and come back into church and these are the words that I felt like the Holy Spirit had dropped into my spirit so I started writing down refresh Recharge, remain, reboot, remember, recalibrate. And the words kept coming. And I knew it wasn't me because I'm not that clever. Then it was reconnect, recover, refocus. And then in the pre-service prayer meeting this morning, Jimmy said about we need to re-energise. 
I even had space for one more word, Jimmy. You could have told me that. But with each word, I felt like it's what the Holy Spirit wants to stir within us. He wants to see us refreshed. He wants to see us recharged. If you never charge your um, phone up, guess what happens? It's good as useless. Without it being the battery holding the, the charge, we can't do anything. We've got to remain in him. We need to be rebooted like a computer. You know, you've got to sometimes reboot that thing. No, not with the boot, but it's just got to be rebooted. We need to remember what Jesus has done for us. We need to recalibrate, be in right alignment. We need to reconnect with others and with the Holy Spirit. We need to recover what the enemy has stolen. We need to refocus and be re-energised. When I was writing down all those words that I knew that the Holy Spirit was speaking to us about, the first word was refresh. And I just knew instantly, oh, that's the theme for our women for this year. And I knew when I wrote down that word refresh, it's not about focusing on ourselves. Yes, Jesus wants to see us refreshed. And he doesn't want to see us burdened down by our job, by things of the world, by what the media wants to tell us. He wants us to be refreshed so we can refresh those around us. And when God speaks, he lines it up with scripture. And the scripture that God gave me, it came with a promise. And it says in Proverbs 11.25, Oh, I haven't got this one on the screen. It says, Proverbs 11, 25. You're just going to have to believe me. It says, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So the promise to us is, when we're generous, we're going to prosper. That's the promise of God. Be generous, you're going to be prosper. Be stingy, you're not going to prosper. So I know what I'd prefer. Be generous, and you're going to prosper. And it says, whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So the promise to us, one heart, is when we refresh others, we will be refreshed. So Port Lincoln, this is a word for you. I believe as we be generous with the extra effort that goes into starting a new church in Tumby, we will be refreshed. Didn't do a show of hands. Who went to Tumby last week? Do you know what? It was so good to see. There was a couple of hands that didn't go up that I saw at Tumby last week. No, anyways. Um, so I was so blessed to see our Port Lincoln crew going to Tumby. Can I encourage you, if you can go to Tumby, you are going to refresh others. That Tumby group, they loved it. They loved connecting with us. And all we're doing is loving on them. So Pastor Rob will advertise that in the announcements, but if you can get to Tumby, it will be great. And I just want to say a huge thank you from Pastor Rob and myself for all of those who've gone the extra mile to get that set up. You know who you are. If I named everyone, I missed someone out, but it has been incredible and I'm excited about what God wants to do at Tumby. If you had have asked me six months ago, I didn't feel excited because one word from, th- from you, things change on your authority and that's what we're doing. So, yeah. Now, we were in a pre-service prayer meeting. Every Sunday morning, we will say church starts at 8 o'clock because that's actually when we have a pre-service prayer meeting. We all get together and pray. People go and do their things. If you want to come and pray, you just keep praying. It's good. 
prayer is good for us. Um, but I remember Pastor Rob just sharing a little thought with us. And in that time, he was saying things, a lot of things have been lost during COVID that we need to re-establish. And the moment he said that word re-establish, I went, I know what I'm going to talk about. It's not even up there, but it's, it's on the next slide, re-establish. We um, need to re-establish some things that we've probably let slip. As a church, we need to do some welcome nights and do growth track. And if you've never heard of them, you need to come along to those. Um, so we need to re-establish some of the things that have, we've let slip a little bit. But I just felt more importantly that we need to re-establish some things in our own spiritual life. So when we had all those words that were re, whenever you add the prefix re to a word, it actually means again. That's what we're saying. So when we say if we have the word established and we add re to it, we're re-established. It means we've got to do it again. So so we're going to talk about three things today that we're going to re-establish if we've let slip. Some of you might not have, some of us might have, and it's just good encouragement for others. And I remember talking to Mariah this week, and I was just saying, oh, my message isn't very complicated. And she goes, but mum, we don't need complicated. People make Christianity too complicated, and then they don't understand what they need to be doing. So then she went on to read me some verses from Proverbs chapter 8 from the Message Bible. Now, the Message Bible isn't the normal translation that I read, but I was... I went and reread the verses again. I went, gee, there's so much in that that I want to share it with you too this morning. So the title of this proverb says, Lady Wisdom Calls Out. So what this proverb is talking about and a lot of proverbs talk about is wisdom. And we all need wisdom. I need wisdom to live my life effectively every day and so do you. So anyways, Proverbs verse 8. And this is what it says in the message translation. Don't miss a word of this. I'm telling you how to live well. Do we all want to live well? Well, wisdom is going to tell us how to do it. I'm telling you how to live at your best. My mouth chews and savours and relishes truth. I can't stand the taste of evil. You'll only hear true and right words from my mouth. Not one syllable will be twisted or skewed. You'll recognise this as truth. You with open minds, truth-ready minds will see it at once. Prefer my life disciplines over chasing after money and God knowledge over a lucrative career. For wisdom is better than all the trappings of wealth. Nothing you wish for holds a candle to her. I am Lady Wisdom and I live next door To sanity, knowledge and discretion live just down the street. Now, that's the street you want to live on. The fear of God means hating evil. Those who I hate, those ways I hate with a passion, pride and arrogance and crooked talk. Good counsel and common sense are my characteristics. I am both insight and the virtue to live it out. He's telling you he's going to give it to give all of it to you. With my help, leaders rule and lawmakers legislate fairly. With my help, governors govern, along with all in leg, um, legitimate authority. I love those who love me. 
Those who look for me, find me. Wealth and glory accompany me. Also substantial honour and a good name. My benefits are worth more than a big salary, even a very big salary. The returns on me exceed any imaginable bonus. You can find me on Righteous Road. That's where I walk, at the intersection of Justice Avenue, handing out life to those who love me, filling their arms with life, arm loads of life. Can we just keep that slide on for a minute? It says, you will find me on Righteous Road. That's where I walk. Do you know what? As Christians, that's where we actually need to find ourselves. You know, we have the armour of God and one of them is the breastplate of righteousness. Do you remember last week when Pastor Rob was talking about patience, the uncool fruit of the Spirit? It's actually cool because they're all cool. When I was doing the armour of God, I felt like the breastplate of righteousness was a bit like, they think us Christians are so boring and daggy because we just do what's right. As Christians, we have to do what's right. To put that breastplate of righteousness on, it's called living right. Because when you don't live right, you've got a lot of big headaches. So that's where he wants to find us, on righteous road. It means to stay doing the right thing. That was a freebie. So this morning, nothing is going to be hard and complicated in my message. I've got three points for you. The only thing is you do need discipline to implement the areas I'm going to talk about. Now, what's the best way of implementing a change in our life? And I can tell you, it's by making it a habit. No one has to tell me to eat breakfast. No one has to tell me to eat lunch or dinner. It's just a habit. I have three good meals a day and some snacks if I'm lucky as well. But it's a habit. We just eat. If I don't eat, it's actually by choice. And I try and make that a choice once a week. My stomach doesn't like it, but my spirit does. Well, it's good for my spirit. So we need to make habits to implement changes. It tells us in Genesis 17 verse 1, and this was God talking to Abraham. It says, walk habitually before me with integrity, knowing that you are always in my presence. We're in his presence. And be blameless and complete in obedience to me. So this was God talking to Abraham saying, I need you to make it a habit to walk with me continually. Because when you're walking with me, you're complete in me and I'm teaching you what you need to know. So I think if God wanted that for Abraham, he wants it for us too. So the first area that we're going to come to that we want to re-establish if we've let slip is our personal devotion time. For me, it is something that I have needed to make a habit in doing. I need to do it regularly. And the reason that I need to have a personal devotion time every day is I need to remain connected to my Heavenly Father. I need to be open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do through my life. And the only way I know how to do that is through reading and meditating on Scripture. The world wants us to meditate on a lot of stuff. And if we don't replace that with truth, we don't know what we're meditating on. So we need to meditate on what the scripture says. Um, I know for me, I can't live without God's word because I need constant reminders, constant reminders of his goodness. I need constant attitude adjustments. 
left to myself, if I'm not reading that book of Proverbs, I'm not always saying the wisest things out of my mouth. And what I love about the Bible is I love seeing Jesus talking to his disciples. I love seeing what the disciples are speaking to people because he's actually talking it to us. I was just reading last week and it was Mary. Mary has had the angel come to her, says that you're going to be the mother of Jesus. Then she goes and visits her cousin Elizabeth. Now, Elizabeth has got pregnant in her old age. And when Mary comes to Elizabeth, the baby inside of Elizabeth's tummy leapt to say, you're carrying something special here. When Mary's talking to her and she's giving praise to God, she says, God chose a lowly girl like me. I just read those words. And when I read that, I went, do you know what God's saying through that one sentence? He wants to use everyone. He's not looking for the affluent. He's not looking for the most prestigious. He just wants to use people that are saying, here I am, send me. We used to sing songs like that all the time. Here I am, send me, Lord, send me, Lord. I will go, I will go. But that is what he's looking for. So there's no one that he does not want to use for his purposes. Um. I love the word of God because it contains all wisdom, encouragement, comfort and inspiration for every conceivable human problem or dilemma. His word brings peace and stability to our spirits and it will renew our minds. It tells us in Romans 12 verse 2, it says, don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. By changing the way we think, then you will learn to know God's will for you. And his will is good, pleasing and perfect. And if you don't know what else to meditate, meditate on what his will for you is because it's good, pleasing and perfect. If you haven't yet established a personal devotion time or if you have let this spiritual discipline slip, re-establish it that's what my encouragement to you today is parents whatever parents are here I'm not looking at anyone in particular I'm just going to say have devotions as a family it might sound like the Brady Bunch but it's a good spiritual discipline to to do because our kids don't know how to do it if we're not showing them what to do or how to do it and don't make it a boring time make it a fun time that this is what we do And if they want to complain, this is just what we do as a family. And then let them see you reading the word of God. Let them see you as a habit. Um, I just read this post from Vision Radio. I just read it on Friday and I just thought it just sums everything up really well about why we need to have a personal devotion time and read the Bible. It says, one of the most dangerous things a Christian can do right now is neglect Bible reading. Thousands of voices are attempting to convince you how to think. Be certain you are being shaped. More scripture, less social media. More Bible, less books. More prayer, less videos. And we can get so easily distracted by those reels and videos that come up. And it's like a little tasty morsel. It just keeps making you click the next one and the next one. So sometimes you just got to turn that phone off it was a good habit for me to not have a phone for a week a few months ago it was the best thing okay the next 
thing we want to re-establish is prayer. Now, this is the powerhouse of any Christian. Spiritual matters have to be dealt with spiritually. Prayer is what changes everything. You need to believe that. As Christians, we need to be believers that prayer changes everything. Last year, in our women's life group, we did this series called The Armour of God. Now, as Christians, we need to have the armour of God, but it's actually prayer that activates the armour of God. Now, when we were doing that study, in the book, it had these sheets of paper that we could write down. It was called Our Prayer Strategies On. And so I did this in May last year. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to tell you who I wrote the prayer strategy for, but I wrote it for someone who was very dear to me. And I'll tell you why I'm reading the prayer to you in a minute. And this is what I, the prayer strategy that I wrote for someone dear. It says, Holy Spirit, I ask you to instill courage within her. Be a wall of protection against the enemy's attempt to exploit her bent in this direction of fear. Every lie that has been spoken, we replace with truth. She is strong, capable, able-minded. The truth for her is freedom in speech, life, mind, and for her family. That was written in May last year. I can tell you we serve a miracle-working God because in March this year, God answered that prayer. Like, for me, I'm just like going, why haven't I written down more prayers before? Because I only found this prayer because I just went back to that book and looked at it. And I thought, I need to hang that on my prayer wall and go, God, you answered this prayer. You have caused her not to walk in fear. She has been strong, capable, able-minded to make decisions for freedom for her and her family. We serve a miracle-working God. That's worth giving praise about. Because prayer changes everything. Can I encourage you to get a diary or a journal? Start writing your prayers down and the revelations that God gives you. So if you're reading a Bible verse and God speaks to you about Mary, write it down. Because we need to be reminded of the goodness of God. Because I wish I had written that in my diary that I would have seen it again. So I'm going to be more I'm going to re-establish that pattern of learning to write some more things down because I want to go back and go, wow, God, you've been so good. You know, how come I need reminders? How come I don't always remember? But that's because we're human beings. You know, last year we had this guest speaker called David Gilpin come and he preached at church and he was incredible. And we've actually got Pastor David and his wife, Pastor Jenny, coming to us here at One Heart in May. Now, Pastor David is very creative and he makes lots of really good content for social media. Good content, not bad stuff. And I just want us to go to the screens now and just watch what he says about prayer. How often should Christians pray? If I said that you and your partner ought to kiss for seven and a half minutes a day, it'd ruin the kiss. To tell someone how often they should pray for can take away the beauty of the moment and leave them with the boredom of just killing time. Despite all of that, my weekly recommendation is three hot home-cooked meals with God each week. 
three non-rush times to rest in his presence, to return to his promises, and to get God's mind over everything to do with your world. To have some non-rush time to say hi, to say sorry, to have a whinge, and to give him glory. To make some time to ask, to seek, to knock, and to wield God's authority over powers and principalities. Or just some time to drift around in the presence of God. You need around three times to dig a well through the four levels of emotion that you carry every day of every week. You need to dig a well through your volatile emotions, through the emotion of bitterness, the emotion of abandonment, the emotion of deep sadness, the emotion of depression, and the emotion of condemnation. You need enough time to dig through your vulnerable emotions. Am I wanted? Am I needed? Am I celebrated? Am I enough? Do I belong? You need time to dig into your visionary emotions, to put down the microscope and to pick up the telescope, to remind yourself of the long-range, long-distance promises that God has for your life. You need time to dig into your victorious emotions. Romans 14 says the kingdom of God isn't food or drink, but it's righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Two-thirds of the kingdom of God is emotional. You need to get to the place where the trees of the fields clap their hands as you go out with joy. You need for God to speak your love language to you. If you're choleric, then your love language is going to be acts of service. God wants to introduce you to a world of the miraculous. He wants you to pray for miracles. If you're melancholic, your love language is words of affirmation. God wants to encourage your heart that he hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but he's given you a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. If your personality is the party-going sanguine, then your love language is physical touch. It just means that God's love language to you is spiritual touch. He wants to touch you. He wants to take the load off you. He wants to zap you with the Holy Spirit. And if your personality is peaceful, phlegmatic, then your love language is quality time. It just means your love language from God is carpet time, spending time in the presence of God. He loves you soaking in his presence. Well, you might be thinking, what about the other four days? Well, one day is a restaurant meal. That's Sunday. You want to take a notepad to church. You want to pick out some jewels in the river of worship and pick out some diamonds on the road of preaching. Well, Dave, what about the other three days? Well, I'm glad you asked. Two days for takeout, for takeaway, fish and chips, slice of pizza, a hamburger, some chicken nuggets. It's takeout day. You can do that in the car going to work. You can do it on the train coming home from work. It's a quick upload to heaven, a quick download from heaven. That leaves one spare day for chocolate, for a protein bar, for some snacks. It's called practicing the presence of God. You need to get into the faith zone that you can't be any closer to God right now, no matter how long you pray for. But hey, this is just a suggestion because the greatest enemy to prayer is condemnation. That's why I don't like talking to intercessors for very long. They make me feel like I'm not praying enough. My prayer life is my private business that cannot be compared with anybody else's prayer life. It's not just about what you can do for God, but it's all about what God can do for you as you pursue Him with all of your heart.
how good is that? Sometimes it's just good to hear words from another person, but God wants to have that relationship with you. And that is why we need to re-establish those things of having a personal devotion with God and being and, um, and praying because that leads us to our next point of being able to share our story. Now, sharing our story is called evangelism and it's why we're created as a church because we're here all for the one. We want to tell people about Jesus. You know, your story is powerful and it can't be argued with. And telling people how Jesus has changed your life and what he's done for you is what we're created for. It's what we're actually commissioned to do. And we need to be prepared and ready. Because 1 Peter 3.15 tells us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Can you read those two last, those two words? It says, when we share our story, we should do it with gentleness and respect. You know, we as a church, we actually want to help you talk about Jesus to your friends. And one of the ways that I know that we can do that is by running an Alpha course. You know, Alpha is a resource that churches use and it creates a space and a culture where people are excited to invite their friends into a conversation about Jesus. And Alpha can be run anywhere, but more than likely we're going to be running it here at church in a couple of months. Now, the reason that I'm telling you about it is because the work is actually on you because it requires you inviting your friends. Can we just go to the clip now of Alpha of why it's important to invite people? Most people come along, 9 out of 10 people come along because someone invited them. So we need to invite. But why don't people invite? I think the number one reason is fear of rejection. We're afraid that if we invite, they might say no. Here's the thing. Our responsibility is the invitation. The Holy Spirit has to worry about the acceptance. When we invite people, we are starting moving them around the clock face of faith. Our research says that it takes 12 plus connections for someone to come to faith. Think about a clock face, old fashioned going around the clock face. Every time we invite them to Christmas, we give them a book, we tell them a story about something, a miracle that's happened in our life, we pray with them, we invite them to Alpha, maybe they even come to Alpha. We are moving them around the clock face of faith. So friends, let's keep inviting. Let's let's think more about the person than we do about ourselves and say, how can we help you move around the clock face? And what I always do, I just go like this, would you like to come to Alpha? And I listen to what they say. I get ready with if they say no, I just go, no worries, it's happening again, I'll let you know. If they say yes, I say, fantastic, want me to pick you up? If they say not sure, I say, have a think about it and I'll get back to you later. All we have to do is keep inviting and moving everybody around that amazing clock face of faith. And together, we can see people explore and then come to faith. And that's what we want to see people do. So, you know what? Every couple of weeks, we'll encourage you with how you can invite friends and see that we are here all for the one. You know, my message today was really just to encourage you on your journey of faith. 
I just wanted to encourage you to say, if we've let areas slip, let's re-establish our personal devotion time, our prayer time, and sharing our story, like sharing our faith with others and how we can do that. So today, you might think, but I've really never had a faith journey of my own. If that's the place that you find yourself today, if you want to say this prayer that I'm going to pray from your heart, it's the beginning of a faith journey for you. So we're going to pray this prayer together. And then after we've prayed the prayer, I'm actually going to hang around at the front. And if you would like to come and tell me that you've that you've prayed that prayer or you've, re, you've reconfirmed or recommitted, I'm going to help you with some next steps. So why don't we pray this prayer together? Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross and rose again to forgive my sins. I ask that you forgive me. I give life and invite you to be my Lord and Saviour. Today I am born again. I trust my future into your hands. In Jesus' name I pray.